Welcome to Raise the Line with Osmosis.org. Seeking solutions with leading experts on how to increase healthcare capacity so people can get the care they need during the COVID-19 crisis and beyond. Hi, everybody. I'm Michael Caris. Access to primary care remains a major concern in the United States, with about 25% of adults having no regular provider. In fact, among high-income countries, Americans are least likely to have a regular doctor. Well, eight years ago, our guest Ryan McQuaid set out to address this problem and the related issue of the complexity of obtaining care by co-founding Plush Care, which provides nearly instant access to primary care from a desktop or smartphone. The company has grown considerably and now has provided primary care and behavioral health care to hundreds of thousands of people in all 50 states. Plush Care was acquired by Accolade last year, and regular listeners to this show will recall that we've had Accolade's chief medical officer, Dr. Shantanu Nundian, raise the line previously. In fact, I think he's the only guest we've had on twice. So I'm looking forward to learning about the uh, Plush Care story today and where virtual care is headed in a post-pandemic world with Ryan McQuaid, and thanks so much for joining us. Hey, Michael. Appreciate you having me on. Excited for the discussion. So we always like to start with our guests explaining about how they got started on their career journey and giving us some highlights. You started in the venture capital space, but obviously have found your way into healthcare. So tell us how all of that unfolded. Yeah, Michael. So I would first say starting in, in venture capital is maybe stretching the truth a little bit. I had a, an internship at a fund of fund called Top Tier Capital and Top Tier invests in venture capital firms. So I was one step removed from the portfolio companies. And it was an amazing group of people. And what I learned was um, a ton about tech trends and kind of where the future of technology was going. I had a, a personal passion for health. And in parallel to that internship, uh, a college friend of mine, uh, this is outside of healthcare, but we actually spun up a, a motor scooter brand similar to Vespa, which I think listeners are probably familiar with. Um, our brand recognition was nowhere close to Vespa. And we could spend a whole podcast talking about that, but the net net was we bootstrapped the business. Um, it took off for several years. And in 2008, the power sports industry just got crushed. And so we decided to liquidate. And for me, it was an incredible learning experience and really gave me the opportunity to figure out how to survive in real time. Um, something that would be critical to plush care success as we navigated through the healthcare, the U.S. healthcare system. And so after that, I joined AT&T's management training program in which one of my rotations, I had the opportunity to be part of um, this new group within AT&T that was focused on digital health. And I think everybody asked me, wait, AT&T, the phone company, is in healthcare. And uh, that is correct. That AT&T was pretty far ahead of the curve as far as vision. Execution may be uh, another matter, but that's where I really got a keen understanding of the healthcare ecosystem, both from a, a B2B perspective, B2B distribution, and also direct consumer. And that's, of course, the where Plush Care focused out of the gate. You said you had a personal passion for healthcare. How come? Yeah, so I have been interested. I've played sports all my life. I went to UC Berkeley as a student athlete. And so kind of post my athletic days, I wanted to continue doing something in health because uh, that was real a real passion for me. 
Uh, and I, I slowly, as you can see, um, going from kind of health and wellness, went into getting into more traditional healthcare. And of course, our mission is to blur those lines where those aren't complete silos. And, you know, we focus on just getting people the healthiest that they can be. Yeah. So what was the spark for trying to tackle something that's a really large problem, which is, you know, our, our healthcare system doesn't work well at the primary care level, especially shortage of providers. It's complicated, as I mentioned. How did you decide that that's what you wanted to tackle? And what were your first insights into how you might approach that? Yeah, so it was really motivated out of my own health issue. Uh, while I was in that role at AT&T, for over a year, I had chronic pain in my back that also was in other joints. And it got to the point where I uh, would, would wake up in the morning and I literally couldn't walk to the kitchen. And so I didn't have a primary care provider. Um, and I found out a lot of Americans do not have a primary care provider. And I turned to a friend who was a Stanford physician and asked him to take on my care. And he helped navigate me through the health system via FaceTime and text messaging interactions. So that's really where it was born out of. And I was diagnosed with an autoimmune disease with something called ankylosing spondylitis. I got on Humira for treatment. And uh, within a, a couple of weeks, I was back to normal. And it was really a, a miracle. And so the, the idea was born out of that experience that I received from Dr. Wantuck. And um, we said, let's take that experience, this you know, human-centric, personalized care done digitally, and democratize it and give it to every American. That's pretty ambitious. Yes. Which is what, you know, which, what's common to most founders. <laughs> They're pretty ambitious in terms of the problems they want to tackle. How, you know, like, what's the first step with that? Yeah, I, I would say pretty ambitious and also maybe a little naive, too. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the first step was, you know, of course, we looked at the market and telehealth is not new. But what existed was this, this tele-urgent care where you call up an 800 number similar to a nurse call line. You get a random doctor and they help you with that episodic issue. And we wanted to lead the charge and believe that in the future people would have ongoing relationships with a primary care provider in a virtual capacity, as opposed to it being this very transactional relationship. And so that's what we designed the experience around. Uh, we got started. I put together V1 of our website. I was the care coordinator answering the phones. And then my co-founder, Dr. Wantuck, uh, he was our physician that was seeing patients. And we bootstrapped the business to get it off the ground. That's amazing. So the name Plush Care obviously tells part of the story. You're out to create a really convenient, easy, pleasant experience for your patients. Talk about some of the elements that are involved in doing that. Yeah, um, a couple of things. We really emphasize human-centric relationships that are powered by technology. So um, many digital health companies these days are focused a lot on the technology versus the care team and patient experience. And, you know, our hypothesis, and it continues to be our belief, is that people don't want to chatbot as a doctor. They want a human being that doesn't treat them like a number. And that is applicable for both, both in the in-person world, but also in the virtual world as well. 
And then the other, uh, an, another aspect of it is really focusing on whole person care to ensure that we take care of people's physical and mental health. And I saw that real time as, as a patient, as I struggled with that chronic pain, I saw the impact that it had on my mental health um, and how important it was to make sure you're taking care of both of those at the same time. So one concern that is raised about virtual care is that there's a lot of churn among the providers and patients don't really get a chance to see the same person over and over again. What's your answer to that problem? Yeah, we took a, an approach that you see in you know some retail businesses is that if you want your end user to be happy, you need your employees to be happy. And so just as we commit to ensuring our patients have a, a wow experience, we strongly believe that that starts with delivering that wow experience to our doctors and therapists. And the way that we go about doing that is taking care of all the administrative work that you hear about physician burnout, all of that administrative work really makes it hard to build a relationship with a patient and deliver great care. Uh, and so we take all that off their plate so physicians and therapists can focus on delivering amazing care and building strong, trusted relationships. And the second one is building a community amongst our care team so they feel a strong sense of belonging and support and don't feel isolated at home by themselves, where they can share learnings and advice with their colleagues. So I'm curious about your move into behavioral health. Obviously, there's a tremendous need, but what was it about that space that you wanted to get into, and how are you tackling that? As I mentioned, I saw firsthand the importance of behavioral health in combination with taking care of somebody's physical health. We, we couldn't do everything that we wanted out of the gate. And so pre-COVID, we launched a therapy program that during COVID, we scaled to all 50 states, which we're super excited about. And the uniqueness of that behavioral health program is our therapists, our physicians, and our psychiatrists all act as one team for the patient. So you're not getting care in silos as a patient. Um, you have this team-based collaborative care approach uh, where we believe it delivers better outcomes for the patient and a better experience for the patient. So give us a, sort of a real-world scenario. How would that work for a patient having this team approach? Yeah, so the way it would work for a patient is you might come in with maybe hypertension and you meet with your plush care primary care provider. And during that visit, they might identify through conversation that you're also suffering from depression and they will refer you into one of our therapists to have a, a therapy visit. And our therapist and our physician will uh, coordinate that care and make sure that of course, you know, you're getting any uh, necessary medications that you need to take care of those issues. And in addition that they're working together to change any dosages or make any other changes to your care. And again, making sure that that's not happening in silos. And then of course, uh, as I mentioned, we have psychiatrists as well that are available for our primary care doctors to have side consults with if they have anything that you know they need help addressing. So in practical terms, can you talk a little bit about the cost structure and if there are any limits on patients? as to how frequently they log on or who they can see, any of that sort of practical information. 
There are no limits on accessing our system. Uh, patients can interact with their care team either sending uh, in-app messaging with their care team or they can have video consults with their care team. The cost is uh, we're in network with most major health plans. And so patients pay the same primary care visit copay that they otherwise would. And then we bill the insurance company for the remainder amount. So I mentioned Accolade at the beginning. Um, I'm wondering why you thought Accolade was a good partner and is part of your answer, if you could just give people a quick idea of what Accolade's all about. Yeah. Through partnering with Accolade, we really felt like we could accelerate the velocity of what we wanted to accomplish by combining PlushCare's primary care and mental health capabilities with Accolade's health and benefits navigation. So for those unfamiliar with Accolade, Accolade's been in the business of helping employees understand and navigate through their benefits and the health system. So kind of like a a white glove concierge. And we found that, you know, that that was administrative support that our physicians needed. So if we refer a patient in to get imaging done, what is that going to cost them? What imaging center should they go to? Or if we refer into a specialist, same questions. Who are the best specialists around that individual? Can we help get them an appointment? Um, and so there was incredibly strong synergies between Accolade and Plush Care. And then in addition, Accolade also acquired a company called Second MD that provides expert medical opinions. And so now we have the ability to have patients connect with a primary care provider, a mental health provider, navigating their benefits, connecting them with ancillary services or providers. And if they need uh, a second opinion, let's say a cancer patient needs a second opinion, we can connect them with 900 of the best specialists across the country. So pretty exciting combination and very strong synergies. Sounds like part of this is really trying to anticipate what your patients are going to want and need. That is correct. That is correct. The, the goal is, you know, making sure our patients are getting the preventative care they need. And as you called out, anticipating, do they have a undiagnosed condition that we need to address or are they not adhering to a certain treatment plan? Um, so that's a, another exciting part of the combination is Accolade receives claims data and a lot of other health information to give us that data that we can do predictive models with and make sure our patients are living their healthiest lives. So obviously COVID has provided an enormous boost to the use of telehealth and kind of the acceptance of it, I think, on both the provider and the patient part. So talk about how all of that has affected plush care and your patients. And, you know, what do you see as the lasting impacts and changes with regard to virtual care from the pandemic? When COVID hit, we saw a step function change in patient demand. You uh, had people who were previously not aware about virtual care existing. Now everybody was aware that it existed. Yeah, the president of the United States, the CDC, all recommending people use virtual care to get the healthcare that they needed. And so our hypothesis was that it was going to be a while for virtual primary care to become mainstream. We believe that first tele-urgent care needed to become mainstream before people felt comfortable actually establishing a relationship with a doctor 
purely virtually. And so COVID just condensed that time frame altogether in which teleurgent care and virtual primary care became mainstream. As far as the lasting effects uh, or what will we see in a post-COVID world, we believe that patients are gonna continue to desire to have virtual visits with their providers. If you look at our net promoter score is 90 and comparing that to a brick and mortar average across the US of a net promoter score of three. So orders of magnitude, better experience. Um, and so that convenience and ease of access and, and just higher patient satisfaction, we believe that uh, this will last post COVID and, and we're seeing that in our visit data as well. And what stands out in the feedback you're getting from patients that seems to be the most important to them being happy with the experience and, you know, sticking with you guys? Yeah, the primary feedback points that we get is, I can't believe how easy this was to use, both from kind of time to get access to their care provider, but also just the uh, user experience itself. I, I mentioned, or we talked earlier about the technology component, and really our goal is to try to remove the feeling of the need to use technology as much as possible to connect the patient and doctor. And then the second part is we hear patients say, I can't believe how much that individual truly cared about me and my health and well-being. Um, and that goes back to, we need to deliver a wow experience to our physicians our therapists and other care providers. So they have the ability to deliver a wow experience to patients. So that's a, a critical piece to the puzzle. So we have a lot of medical students in our audience who obviously over the last couple of years have been hearing about an amazing array of changes in virtual health and digital health and maybe trying to sort all of this out and what their place in it may be. What would you say to them? What's your pitch to them about getting involved in this modality, this approach to providing care to patients? Yeah. So first, I'm not a doctor, but as someone passionate about the healthcare industry, I appreciate uh, those who dedicate their careers to helping patients. And as far as my kind of recommendations on the, the both personal and professional side, healthcare is not easy. And so I tell our folks, and, and we hire based upon this as well, is focus on the why. Why are you doing what you're doing and your belief to help people live healthier and happier lives is really uh, important intrinsic motivation and to make sure that that's the path that you want to go down. Another one is embracing innovation. It's a, it's a very exciting time in healthcare. There's going to be a significant amount of innovation. Most of the innovation for the last several decades has been based uh, within the four walls. There was no um, virtual care market pre-pandemic. It's hard to build businesses when there's less than 1% penetration of virtual visits. And so I think there's a really exciting opportunity ahead over the next 10 years of the innovation that will happen relative to delivering virtual care and digital health. For sure. We hear that from a lot of our guests. So as we're wrapping up here, we always like to ask our guests um, to give us some advice. We're a teaching company. We love to fill in knowledge gaps. And wondering if there's a topic that you think osmosis should make a video about um, that people just don't know 
should know um, that's of particular concern or interest to you? Yes, I think physician burnout is not spoken about enough. It's something we do here, but it's absolutely critical that we address this problem. 42% of doctors are experiencing burnout. And uh, as an industry, we mu- and we've seen it uh, even emphasize even more during the pandemic, we have to address this issue. And so at PlushCare, we're constantly listening to our physician team to ensure they feel supported. And uh, we've seen that when our doctors are healthy and happy, uh, they will be the best equipped to care for our patients. And as I mentioned, delivering better outcomes for patients and also better experience for patients. Uh, so I think that's an important topic that is not spoken about enough. Absolutely. We're in total agreement on that. And we're going to keep focusing on that issue on uh, this show for sure. So listen, we're out of time, but I want to thank you very much, Ryan, for joining us today and wish you the best of luck. Michael, really appreciate it. Thank you as well. I'm Michael Carice. Thanks for checking out today's show. Remember to do your part to flatten the curve and raise the line. We're all in this together. For more information on how you can raise the line and flatten the curve, go to osmosis.org slash COVID-19. If you like this podcast, please share it on your social channels. You can also subscribe to the series and check out all of our episodes at osmosis.org slash raise the line podcast. Mm-hmm.